Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, Joe Slack, and joining me today is Guillaume Boudreau. Guillaume is an art director, multimedia designer, and illustrator from Montreal, Quebec. He, along with his partner, have been running Remark, a small marketing firm for 10 years. They provide services in communications, content creation, design, branding, and packaging. Guillaume, thanks so much for being here on the Board Game Binge. Thanks for having me, Joe. I thought maybe you could start by telling our viewers and listeners the story of how you first got into board gaming itself. Wow. Well, I'm a board game enthusiast, so I play always all the time board games. So uh, one day I uh, just ask myself, I love design. I love illustrating. I'm a designer. I love board games and maths. So mm -hmm. why do not take all of that and try to create some sort of board games just to test if I'm able to do it? So that's where the uh, the Snake and Ladder Remix project came in. Uh, I decided to test myself and try to do a Fox and Dan uh, remix of that game. And uh, like two weeks later, it just wasn't working as I planned. It, it, it was even better working. It became like a, a big complex game and I had some all sorts of ideas and uh, it all exploded. So that's really pretty much the beginning. That's kind of a, a common thing amongst uh, game designers. When we start out, we just want to throw everything in the kitchen sink in there and just wind up making something that's way too complex and have to trim it, trim it, trim it way down. And I'm sure that was your experience uh, when you were creating Grooves as well. Yeah, so much trimming. Uh, actually, the, the game was like twice complex as it is uh, back then. So now it's a more, con more concise game and uh, more balanced and uh, less complex. Uh, so you said you had all these uh, different skills and interests in board games, and then you wanted to create your your own uh, board game as well. Um, and uh, being a fellow Canadian, um, I know you're actually from from Montreal, and it's a lovely yeah. city that we always love and enjoy and enjoy uh, visiting whenever we can. Um, I'm just curious, what's the board game scene and the game designer scene like out there? Actually, it's really active. There's a lot of events. There's a lot of um, restaurants where you can go and play or bars where you can go and play. Uh, there's a lot of designers too. Uh, we have uh, so all, sorts, all sorts of uh, events where we gather and test prototypes and uh, share ideas. And uh, we have some great uh, great new designers that, that, that are having success right now. Uh, one of them is uh, uh, Maxim uh, Tardif. Uh, with the creator of Hurt, mm. the recently uh, released Hurt. So yeah, the, the scene is pretty active. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and I know you're getting ready to launch your game Ruse on Kickstarter. And uh, by the time this interview airs, it's going to be live. Yeah. So uh, I know you, you talked about um, creating uh, this game kind of out of snakes and ladders um, and you're designing other games so what did you learn uh, from this first game experience when you were first taking that kind of snakes and ladders idea and turning it into the Fox and Den theme? What were some of those uh, things you learned? Uh, the, at first, I, I didn't know where I was going with all of that. Uh, I didn't know what it was all about. So um, I read so many stuff. I, I listened to so many podcasts, uh, your podcast and so many others. Um, I learned so much stuff and I'm a perfectionist. I'm a designer. I'm an art director. So having a prototype that doesn't look like a real game was really hard to me. So having just like a couple of sheet of paper of, of cardboard that, that, that didn't make it for me. So I had to go too far with my development and design uh, at each iteration of the game. So uh, now we are like at the 
seventh uh, version. There's decimal between them, but mm-hmm. um, uh, the first one, the second one, it was too advanced to be a prototype. It's, I lost a lot of time uh, doing the prototype. So I learned for the other project to go like, just test the pieces and go with cardboard. It's all right. Uh, you can draw everything on the on the corner of the t- of a table, and that does it. So and test it. Absolutely, yeah. It's a it's a great thing to get that idea out of your head and onto the table. And uh, yeah, like you said, you can definitely spend a lot of time uh, creating something, spending a lot of time and effort making something, then finding out that it doesn't work, and you have to go back to the drawing board and change the. Yeah. Around. Can you tell us more about uh, your game ruse? Yeah, sure. So it's a mid uh, heavy Euro style game, uh, which implies dice uh, and a bit of uh, chance. But the chance is, well, it's hard to describe, but I've managed a way to balance uh, the, um, how do you say, hasard, uh, when you roll the dice, it's uh, uh, luck or chance. Yeah, the chance. Yeah. yeah. When you roll a dice, the chance you have uh, to, to, to get a great number or a low number. So I had to balance uh, that aspect. So even though you roll a one or a six, you have action options and bonuses available to you. So there's, it's not like a chance only game. You really have to manage what you get with your, your dice. So basically the game is about a fox. So you, you are playing the role of a fox family and you have to gather other resources in the territories um, to grow your kits. Uh, you, you can grow up to four kits in your den and uh, that's it. So, so you have you have uh, dice management as worker placement. You have to move your uh, fox in the territories to find some resources and gain some bonuses. You can mark territories. Um, there's uh, also, you have a, a board with the den. Uh, so your kids can explore the den and find some bonuses and uh, develop their instinct, which will um, uh, make your game more uh, advanced. And um, there's also objective cards. So it's a big mix of mechanics based on uh, some uh, Fox knowledge that I learned along the way. Great. Yeah, it sounds like you're really trying to um, get the theme and the mechanics uh, really lined up well. Um, is that something that you you really strive for when you're making this game? Yeah, uh, actually, the game is really uh, team forward. So uh, I really wanted to make a, a Fox team game. Fox is my uh, totem animal if i may say uh, i really love i really love fox so i studied a lot uh, of things about the fox and i built the mechanic around the team instead of adding the team on the mechanics so everything is is uh, is prepared and developed around what i've learned along the way yeah oh very cool and uh as well um you're talking about uh, you got dice in your game, but you try to avoid having a lot of uh, bad luck. Like we all see in these games when somebody's just consistently rolling ones and just, you know, failing and other people are rolling sixes and doing really well. Uh, so it, it's great to have either some uh, mitigation for those bad rolls or the ability to use dice in different numbers so that low numbers can actually be beneficial and not just you know detrimental and vice versa with uh, with the high numbers. So were there any other games that you took inspiration from uh, to get ideas for that? Uh, inspiration, it, nothing's come from a particular game, particular game, but I'm really a fan of Teotihuacan. I'm a fan of uh, On Mars, uh, these big games, uh, Tapestry, but none of the mechanics I took are really 
uh, inspired by some precise game. It really like came with, like I said, with um, the team in, in mind. So I had a team in mind. I had a, an aspect of the team, uh, the growth. So there's tracks where your kits, which are dices, uh, grow in value and evaluate. So that, yeah, I took like some knowledge and developed uh, the, the mechanics around it. Uh, I want to switch over and talk a little bit about um, like your marketing approach and how you've kind of built up your following because, you know, I've, I've been to your uh, Kickstarter notification page and uh, I think the, the last I looked, I think it was this morning or yesterday, I saw that you were up to over 2,700 followers, which oh, is, yeah. is quite large, uh, especially for a first project um, on your notification page. Um, so I'd love to hear a bit about how you uh, were able to build up your list so high and also did you use other methods like was, was, um, uh, e building up your email list was that also part of uh, your your campaign as well your marketing? Yeah, but, well, I'm happy to to learn that we are uh, at that mark for uh, today. Mm -hmm. um, I also uh, in parallel uh, developed like yeah uh, some marketing uh, email list. Uh, I think we are at two thousand right now. So we have yeah the the pre launch page and the email list. But yeah, the the main thing was being active in the the communities uh, mostly on Facebook, uh, talking with other designers, asking questions, uh, exchanging ideas. Uh, that's really what made the difference. And posting some stuff about the development, uh, even if it's wrong, just the, the communication you have with other other uh, designers and just fans of board games is incredible. The the communities that are existing on on Facebook are so amazing and people are so generous of their time and some people are writing me like in direct message and helping me and i created some virtual friends so yeah uh it's it's a re it's really what i really did uh, it's been like three years i'm really i was there in, since four years but the last three years i was really active and posting some stuff and exchanging with people yeah yeah, it's, it seems to have really paid off. I mean, I think that's where I discovered you. I think it was in the Board Game Design Lab. I saw you were posting some things and asking some questions. I thought, oh, this this campaign looks pretty cool. I'd love to uh, talk to you a bit about more about it. So um, aside from um, the Facebook groups and doing things online, um, did you also go out to any conventions or do anything else uh, sort of in person uh, with your playtesting and building up your group? Uh, I really... Uh use the virtual side of things uh for playtesting uh during the pandemic it mm. uh, like it, it was crazy i like I, I played like actually the game was tested like 300 times 400 times something like that but mainly on uh tabletopia so yeah using discord and tabletopia I, I, it was like perfect uh, i had so much time with in during the pandemic so i used that time um, at my advantage so yeah but I did like a couple of uh, conventions here in Quebec, none in the U.S. Something I'd like to do in the future, but yeah, um, we had we have some uh, events where we can test our prototypes. Though, so those events were really useful uh, to test and uh, develop the game. Okay, yeah, it sounds like you really took advantage of what was available, and I mean during yeah. the pandemic, so many things were shut down. It was a matter of getting your game up digitally. Uh, getting people play testing it and uh, giving you feedback and 
uh, Tabletopia in particular, that's uh, a platform you can use. And you can just post your game up there and other people can just come and play. You don't have to necessarily be there and load it up and set it up for them. You can just leave it there with the rules. So uh, did you find you had a lot of people just coming to like play it on its own when it was just listed there? Or did, were you kind of guiding the play tests? And No, I didn't list it there. I was a bit shy about it. And uh, since I was learning everything, I didn't really knew how to to do everything but i really just tested with invitation uh with uh, using uh tabletopia now mm -hmm. right now we we are finishing the tts version the tabletop simulator so yeah uh, i'll be opening some more uh demos and play test and yeah fantastic yeah so um as well did you do any um marketing with ads or anything like uh, aside from the or the organic stuff that you were talking about you know meeting with people and chatting with them and demoing the game did you also run any ads and if so like which which platforms did you do did you use and and how did you see them perform yeah it's pretty much uh it's pretty much based on facebook but actually i did i const i constructed a, a website with a landing page mm -hmm. i had it a blog um i connected like to a mailchimp account uh and I added all my links, all available links possible. So yeah, it's all there. Uh, on Facebook, since I was chatting with everybody, uh, I posted some links directing to my website. But the full funnel is more, uh, I did some advertising with Facebook and Instagram using the form, the form, uh, the leads ad. So people can uh, like register to the email. And once they are registered, they get an automated uh, email inviting them to other points like groups, uh, uh, Kickstarter pre-launch page. Uh, so yeah, it was it, it was really active actually. I had also some uh, click uh, ads, simple click ads uh, going to uh, leading to uh, Kickstarter, and re it really like worked well. I think I had a, a good um, a good sense with the audience that I built to. Uh, propose this uh these these ads oh that's fantastic yeah uh because i know ads can be uh very effective and you know building up your email list obviously is is super important and i think you uh, mentioned a really good point there is to direct people to all the other channels as well so if you get somebody to you know sees your ad and signs up to your email list then having that welcome sequence you not having to individually bombard people you can just have something that automatically goes out hey thanks so much for signing out up we also have our Kickstarter notification page. So you can go yeah. here and find out, um, you know, exactly when it launches, you'll be like the first to be notified. Oh, we also, if you want to talk more about it or hear more about it, you can go to the Facebook group, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And uh, I do some, some, sometimes uh, not each week, but I, I, I try to do so. I send some uh, newsletter and I ask people some questions. I do some surveys. I present some new stuff, some new components. I, I, I ask for help. Uh, people are following you for your project. They have an interest. So yeah, why not? Why not asking them since they are going to, to play your game eventually? Yeah, I think that's also a good way to to really win some people over too. If if you're asking for something or somebody suggests something and then they see that you've used that in your game, you're gonna be like, oh, wow, he actually listened to me and he put that in there. They're gonna wanna buy the game, of course, because you know they have a part in it. Yeah, I did a lot of surveys actually on Facebook groups and with the, the email part uh, about the, the, the board that actually the, the box cover, the color, the, the type, the logo, the 
even though even the uh, the color blindness, mm -hmm. I did some like some some tests with some people. Uh, some people were writing me in a private message. Uh, yeah, this is perfect. Uh, go with this this one. So they are colorblind. They know what they're talking about. Listen to them and use what they're saying. It's just better for your game. Yeah, I know. I've definitely been overwhelmed by uh, by people willing to help. I've had people on previous campaigns reach out and say, "Oh, I see you're going to be doing like a custom meeple. Um, I'd love to design one for you." Of course, cool. That's awesome. Or people are just uh, you know jump up and say, "Oh, I'd I'd love to see this game translated into this other language. Uh, would you be interested in doing that?" And you know, all I want is a copy of the game. Absolutely. Um, you know, some people will just be. Uh, just so willing to to help yeah. and just want want to help you succeed even further, which which yeah. is always amazing to see. Yeah, and in the other side, I do the same. I write to people about their games. I try to go and playtest them with them online, helping them, uh, giving them some comments and encouragement. Yeah, so it's reciprocity. You're you're doing yeah. something for them. They're going to want to do yeah. something for you, and and not that you're doing it intentionally to get something back, but it's just naturally happens. You know, you yeah. help somebody, they want it. They want to give something back. Hey, and what do you know? It's it's you're playing board games with other people. It's perfect. It's fun, and you're having a good better, time, right? <laughs> it's the better of both worlds. Um, now I know. Um, uh, before the interview as well, we were talking about ruse, and we were talking about how uh, you've done everything for this game. Like yeah. you, you said, you you've done the game design, the marketing. Um, you even did the art and and the the graphic design behind it all. Can you tell us about how that experience was trying to do all that yourself? Uh, it's it's really a lot of work. Uh, I didn't see saw that coming, but yeah, it 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 kind of hit me in the face uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I'm a, it's a, it's a marathon. Um, the the last week and the two weeks to come, it's like uh, I don't know where to put myself. Uh, I, I work like I have a business. I own a, a small marketing agency, so I have to work during the day and I have to work during the night. So mm -hmm. I get like five hours, five, four to five hours of sleep uh, each each night. I'm okay. I'm doing good. Probably the adrenaline since we are near from the lunch. Just wait till uh, the Kickstarter campaign. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, since I... I am a designer. I'm an art director. Uh, I illustrate. I have some knowledge in web design. I have some knowledge in UX packaging. It all came like to sense that I needed to use what I know and save some money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, also, if you have the opportunity to just hand things over to your partner for the first couple of days of your campaign and the last couple of days of your campaign and just say, I'm going to be busy with my Kickstarter campaign because those are typically the busiest and you'll you'll want probably uh, as much attention as you can on the campaign as well. Yeah, I'm I'm off uh, the job for those days. <laughs> that's 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 really good planning. <laughs> Absolutely. Um so I know as well like most designers, most publishers would hire a lot of that out, particularly the graphic design and the uh, art, um, you know, most designers can't do that themselves. They might be able to do some stick figures and, you know, uh, put together some simple prototypes, but to get really good looking, compelling art, um, they're really required to go and hire uh, that out because, you know, yeah. you just can't do it. And your game needs to look good, especially yeah. in crowdfunding, right? Yeah. Um, there's there's so very few people that can do that. Um, like Ryan Lockett is one person that comes to mind uh, who's done that with Red Raven Games, who you know, right. does it all. <laughs> but I, I imagine um, it can be uh, quite tiring. So would you, it, for future games, would you think about hiring some of these things out or, or doing things a little differently, maybe for your next game? 
Yeah, I might. I might. Uh, it's 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 a question of budget. It's a question of uh, it's a question of ego too. I, I really love the draw, so it's it's hard like to let that part go. But yeah, uh, I, I love so many uh, designer and illustrator in the industry. So yeah, if I get the chance to work with someone else, for sure, uh, Andrew Bosley's like incredible Jan O'Toole these are like I'm a fan of, of those guys so yeah Mr. Cuddington the, the, mm. actually these these are board game illustrator gods for me so yeah uh, if I get a chance yeah I'd like to work with some um, some other people uh, I have some big big game project in mind uh, in development uh, my, my next project is called Spirited Earth uh, it's quite a huge game, pretty much the same size uh, as Ruse. Uh, I'm thinking of using someone uh, for the artwork because I saw what's, uh, how much work it was. It, yeah. <laughs> Learn from your experiences. But yeah, I mean, if, if you can do it, you want to do it. But uh, like you said, you can, you can burn yourself out if, you, uh, if, you, if you're just trying to do everything all yourself. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Um, Maybe you can talk a little bit about um, your agency as well, because you do, you know, uh, marketing and branding and that type of thing. Yeah. How has your experience, um, have you been able to translate what you do in your day job uh, to help you with, you know, your marketing and branding and everything around your game? And how, how has that kind of come about? Yeah, actually, it was really useful in all sorts of ways, not just, um, not just this, in the sense that I'm a designer and an illustrator, but the project management side of things, the um, how to communicate uh, electronically with people, and the and in the the development, all the the interface and everything, it all came, uh, it it all became useful, really useful. And I, I would say that the project management project management part was the most useful of all. So I'm I'm not scared of. Yeah, yeah, it's big. It's a it's a big project. It's a lot of hours, but it doesn't really scares me. Uh, I've had some bigger project to manage. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I think um, two two of the biggest things that that people may not realize when they're going into this, doing it themselves, are is the amount of time you'll need to spend on audience building and project management. And uh, you hit the nail on the head there. Like just knowing how to navigate your way through this, because um, in a lot of other cases, you're going to be man- uh, or you're going to be uh, working with uh, so many other different people, manufacturers, yeah. and artists and everything. I mean, you're doing a lot yourself, but you still have to manage your own time and how much time you're going to be spending on art and playtesting yeah. and audience building and ads. And uh, reviewers. Reviewer. Yeah. You're working with reviewers, working with manufacturers, fulfillment companies, all those different things that go into it. And having that project management experience um, can go a long way. Cause I think a lot of people, they don't realize how much work it is and they can really get blown away by like timelines and costs go out of control and that type of thing if they don't have that experience yeah exactly i have a lot of uh excel document uh always open <laughs> on my computer right yep. now i'm i'm like keeping the, the the campaign is launching but i'm 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 still doing some quotes with some manufacturer in china at five o'clock in the morning and at one uh o'clock in the night whatever so yeah the the, the schedule is all unbalanced yeah, you have to go by their schedule or wait till the next day to hear back and keep going. But yeah, even right up to your campaign, 
you're going to be crunching those numbers, making sure everything's yeah. right, seeing if you can get like better rates, if you've got the right manufacturer lined up, get a backup, <laughs> having yeah. all those things in place. It's a, it's a lot of work. It's a, there's always some surprise. Uh, we we were um, ordering some prototypes for reviewers and uh, do some shoots and videos. Uh, we we were like we the the there was the the Chinese New Year and we got like a three weeks delay to like just keep just begin the work with them. So yeah, we had some uh, some big surprise. We are finally receiving the prototypes in a couple of days. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's something definitely for any creator to keep in mind that, you know, China basically shuts down for two or three weeks for uh for Chinese New Year and like nothing's getting done. So yeah. wherever your game is at, it's 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 just gonna sit. You know, there's nothing being shipped out, there's nothing being manufactured. So uh, that usually happens, you know, late January into February. You know, look at your calendar because it changes every year, but uh yeah. Make make sure to note that and block that time off and just say nothing's going to get done. So either have to get stuff done before and out of there, or know that you're going to be waiting. When I learned that, I I, I immediately ask for a calendar of their holidays because mm. it's like yeah, good idea. So, uh, do you have any advice for game designers in general or anyone who's thinking of uh, taking this on and doing it all by themselves? Uh, actually, believing in their project believing in their ideas uh pushing it through the limit uh breaking the the ideas try to break the game uh test it test it and test it we always hear that but it's so true uh, you need to test it and talk about it uh, let people say what they they think about your game take the comments uh apply the comments or not but take it just don't argue it's yeah that's pretty much what i would say and if you feel you're passionate about your project just keep doing it it's it's worth it absolutely can't can't uh, do anything but agree with that there <laughs> um so to wrap up uh i know this is going to be uh Riz is going to be live uh, at the time uh when this uh, interview goes live so where can people find ruse and what are the dates that the campaign is going to be live uh, they can find Ruse uh, on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, the website is ruse.games. And the campaign is launching on May uh, 23rd. Excellent. And how long is it running for and when does it end? It's uh, until uh, June 14th. June 14th. Okay. So it's going to be up for a few weeks then. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, well, Guillaume, it's been a pleasure talking to you, learning about uh, Ruse and uh, hearing about your whole experience uh, designing your first game. So thank you so much for being part of the Board Game Binge. Thank you, Joe. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge podcast, guest hosted by Joe Slack, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you'd like to watch these interviews live, simply subscribe to our Instagram channel, Board Game Binge Podcast, and you'll get notifications of the live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. We can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.